B-Pod Studios. This is 98.5 The Sports Hub. Sounds like fact, not opinion to me. And this uh, uh, uh. is Gasper and Murray. What has uh, Marcus meant to this franchise and how difficult it was uh, the decision? Yeah, I mean, really hard. Um, I, I said this at the start of um, the summer. I, I thought that we needed to balance our roster and make sure that we looked at the best ways to do that. Um, and that meant that we were going to likely lose a really, really, really good player. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as Marcus, um, you know, as I told him, you know, when he got here, we were 25 and 57 the year before. Um, and, you know, the greatest legacy that you can leave, right, is to be someplace and it's better off because you were there. And, um, you know, I think that everybody here feels that way. I think that he will always um, be appreciated and um, thought of so fondly here for any number of reasons. Obviously, everybody loved the way that he p- plays and how hard he plays, but also his work in the community. And, um, you know, we're all really grateful to have had Marcus in our life. Celtics president of basketball ops, Brad Stevens. A love letter of sorts to Marcus Smart, who he traded to Memphis. Now a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. You had a thought on that, uh, Chris, what he was saying? There? Yeah, no, just, um, first of all, I, I agree with everything Brad said about what Marcus did in the community. I mean, he was really great in the community, and, and that will be missed. You know, the young Game Changer Foundation, I, I can't say enough about what he did in the community while he was here. Uh, just on a basketball point, though, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, we came, he came here, we were 25 and 57 and all that other stuff, and, you know, it changed, and he made the playoffs every year. Here's what they leave out. That first year, his rookie year, they weren't going to make the playoffs. Do you remember who they traded for in February? Yeah, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, that changed they, everything. That changed them. everything. It wasn't Marcus Smart that changed yeah. it at that point. It was, it was when they went and got Isaiah Thomas. That changed everything for them. That changed everything for that team. And so it wasn't just like a Marcus Smart thing. Like, I feel like that's such revisionist history. Do you know when they acquired Marcus Smart, that they were 20 and 32. I'm sorry, not Marcus Smart. Isaiah Thomas, they were 20 and 32. They were 20 and 32 at that point. Oh, is that like one of the craziest turnarounds I've ever and seen? And they ended up finishing 40 and 42. Yeah. So obviously, you know what the math is there, what they were able to do. So Smart was on the team that went 20 and 32. There wasn't, you know, that wasn't Smart. The thing that changed was Isaiah Thomas came to town. And then he played with Isaiah Thomas the next couple of years, including going to the conference finals with Isaiah Thomas, even though Isaiah Thomas had the hip situation. Then they draft Jalen Brown. Uh, They bring in Al Horford as a free agent, right? And they draft Jason Tatum, and you're able to bring in Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. So just how – I'm not trying to, like – I know I have the reputation of doing it because I do do it. I'm not trying to, like, crap on Marcus Smart here. I'm just trying to be accurate. How much of the change from losing to winning and making the playoffs nine years in a row was really about him? Very little. (laughs) I wouldn't say very little. I mean, more than very little. But I don't think that he was the primary driver of it at any point. Yeah, well, I also don't think we should be throwing out. I forget who it was, but like the term I heard uh, was Marcus Smart era. Like the Marcus. No, he's been part of like other eras, like the Isaiah Thomas era. Yeah. As quick as it was when Kyrie Irving was here. Like that's, you know, when when you mention an era, you mentioned like the superstar players. But you people want to like crowbar him in as a superstar, which he wasn't. 
Howard and Randolph, you're next. Hello. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey. Okay. Obviously, the uh, reason the Marcus Smart was traded was because they uh, bargained a deal, fell through with the Clippers, and they had the deadline with Porzingis to opt in. My question, I have two questions. Number one, had the Clippers more time to check Brogdon's medicals, would they have taken them? And secondly, had the Brogdon deal gone through, what would the final result have been of that deal? B-Rob, you want to speak to that? I mean, you and I had talked for a while about Brogdon making a lot of sense for the Clippers. We have, and ultimately they still need a point card, so we'll see if that ever gets revisited here um, with less of a time crunch. But, yeah, the the, the particulars would have been Brogdon would have been there. Uh, The Wizards would have gotten Marcus Morris and some other stuff. Um, May 3rd, number 30 pick, Amir Coffey, and then you'd have Porzingis going to Boston. Do you, do you think – this is a question that's sort of come up, um, and different people have different viewpoints on it. If if they make that deal with Brogdon, is Smart still on this team on opening night? I don't think it's definite. I think this is the, the deal that they ultimately did with Memphis was something that they had imp- talked about clearly separate from the Clippers deal and was not going to go away necessarily um, – you know, by the time that the the reason why the Clippers deal happened when it did or fell apart when it did is because the Celtics needed Porzingis to opt into that contract, and then in order that needed to happen for that deal to get done. So that was a, like a unless they push back the deadline, it needed to happen then. But you look at you know the rest of the, um, everything else that was moved in the deal, whether it was Jones going to Washington, like maybe the the Celtics would have had him. Maybe he would have been the starting point guard for next season if Washington didn't take him. So there are layers to this, and I think. We'll uh, we'll find out sooner than later what what actually the team had plans for. I wonder if they're done. What do you guys think? Like, are they done? No chance. No, no chance. Okay. No, I still think Grant Williams is going to be peeled off here. It feels like that could be imminent. Like, no, there's there, there's probably going to be I think little ancillary moves to be made. To, I mean, I still think they could use another roster. wing. You know, if you're able to get like a Malik Beasley or Tory Craig or I would even take this guy can't score for anything. But since you lost a little defense, Matisse Thybul, it's just going to be interesting to see where some of these free agent guys end up Lonnie Walker's a guy like they're going to have to fill out I think the rest of the roster with some lower cost guys that are maybe looking for an opportunity and aren't going to cost a lot of money what do you guys do with Brogdon in this situation now as far as his value is clearly hurt by this deal his feelings are surely hurt by this deal do you try to mend fences or do you say listen like this is going to be a distraction all year long even if you know me try to make it work it might not work like you just try to move off them now, get that bigger piece like you, some of those guys you just talked about, Chris, and just move with like kind of a clean slate into next year. I, I would honestly keep him just because I think he can be a better player and have a bigger role this year, rebuild his draft, uh, draft value, his trade value, and then you can get rid of him next year, hopefully, in, uh, you know, when, when, when the Supermax for Brown kicks in and the other stuff happens. Now, I know there are some repercussions to that this year in terms of being over the apron and all that, but it seems like with Porzingis here, and we'll see if he signs an extension or not, you're kind of in a win-now, all-in mode, at least for a year. So why would I peel him off for pieces that are not pieces that make me better? Yeah, right. Bite the bullet, pay the tax, you know, move on. Yeah, and I also would like to think it's fixable because, you know, one of his close friends, Jalen Brown, is here, and Jalen Brown's name's been floated in trade rumors before in the past. Jalen can say to him, look, like, I might not love it, but I've made it work here, you know, so you'll get over it. I eventually did, too. We can make it work. We're better having you here. Yeah. No, I like, I mean, I think you guys are right in that front. I, if they do make a swing of him, I think it needs to be a big swing. I agree. You got to package him with 
multiple first round picks, but short of that, I'm with you guys. Like he's, you're probably not going to get obviously anything close to what he can bring you. So you keep him around and try to build more parts to, for the win now here. Mike and Lynn on the Marcus Smart trade. Hi, Mike. Yeah, I wanted, I was going to talk about Marcus Smart, but then you guys mentioned the, uh, the draft and I don't know if you watched it, but it was, it was unbearable. First of all, you don't know any of the players because half of them either play overseas or in the G League. And when they do get drafted, instead of analysis into one type of player they are, we get five minutes of them on a couch answering softball questions. Yeah. <laughs> and then they talk to their parents after softball questions. <laughs> Can I listen to the so-called analysts telling us how good they are or how they fit into the new team's needs? No, wait, we can't do that because nobody knows what team they're on. Like, Can we either move the new year league, like uh, the new league year up, two weeks or push the draft back two weeks because you watch for the 25th pick and it's like, oh, Memphis selects so-and-so. No way, it's really Boston. Okay, Boston's like, well, no, they just traded Detroit. Meanwhile, the kid sitting on the couch wearing a Memphis hat has no clue where the hell he's going (laughs) and we don't know anything. It was frustrating. I will say this, though, and let's have the analysts uh, do it. If the analysts are uh, Duke, DBs, uh, J.J. Redick and Jay Billis, I'm good. Yeah, right. Uh, First of all, there was a real vibe of sexism on that set that I was disgusted by. I thought J.J. Redick and Jay Billis were extremely dismissive of Andrea Carter, who I thought was the best of the three analysts, and a little bit of Malika Andrews. And the whole thing was just kind of a train wreck. And I don't know. J.J. Redick just annoys me. I like Jay Billis on college basketball, but when he's talking about these prospects, I I just feel sometimes he comes off as a little... Um, he's the he's the foremost authority in everything, and yeah, I think it's become. Exactly. I think it's be, it's one of my. You know, look, there's it doesn't take much for me to dislike a person, but that's a trait that if I can sniff it or, or if I can sense it from you, I yeah. immediately despise you. And there's this push. All of a sudden, it's it's pretty obvious from ESPN that they're really trying to push JJ Redick to be yes. like a thing. Yeah, and he comes off as like this to big be like basketball McAfee. Yeah, uh, well, no, at least McAfee I think has some humility to him. I think he's kind of a you know a goofball in a lot yeah. of ways, like. There is a likability factor to, to McAfee that I understand. He's Midwest. Someone said that his show is Midwest funny, and I was like, now this makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> it might not be for me, but get that money. I'm not going to damn you for that. But sure. the, the Reddick thing, I'm glad to hear you say. There's some, uh, I see him. I'm like, oh, God, this effing guy. Like, he he bothers me. He just bothers me because it's that I'm the for, I know everything. I'm the foremost authority and everything. It's like, oh, shut up. I think if you, you had just one of those dick. guys on the set, like, Billis has been really good in years past because uh, he, 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 he does have some – it, Billis will be self-deprecating too, and he's he's had some self-deprecating humor in the past when he's there with the NBA, like the regular NBA analyst. But this year, just the Duke thing, it was way it was too much Duke, and they're right about not knowing where the picks are going. I, I want to throw something out there just quickly on the Celtics draft. I, I know they got all these second-round picks, but this is an opinion. I don't have any inside information on it, but. Dallas traded up one pick before them with Sacramento to take Olivier Maxence Prosper. I think that's a guy the Celtics would have taken at 25. I think they would have stayed there and taken him. And then once he was off the board, I think that triggered a lot of this crazy trading down. Tell me about him. Why would they? Why he was a real draft play? riser. Uh, guy out of three and D guy out of Marquette. Very athletic. Tested really well at the combine. Six eight. He would have been a, a wing guy. He basically would have been a more NBA ready more offensively ready version of the guy they ended up drafting and Jordan Walsh. Okay. And, and I had, you know, heard that they were interested in this guy. B Rob, feel free to shoot this down if I'm wrong, but no, no, no. I've heard the same things. Okay. And nationally the like draft insiders have also said things. So you're on, I think you're on the ball. Here. Yeah. I, I think, I don't want to say they were caught off guard cause that's not fair. And I don't know that I don't have any information on that. I just think Dallas jumping ahead of them to take that guy triggered a lot of this trading down stuff that they, that they ultimately ultimately ended up doing 
which I was not thrilled with. And we can get a little more into that in the next segment. All right. We'll do that along with your phone calls coming up next here on Gaspar Murray. You're listening to Gaspar and Murray on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. This is Chris Gasper. I'm not the one who's red-faced and ranting, so who's the baby? This is Big Jim Murray. Takes in your face, sports. And this is Gasper and Murray on Boston's Home for Sports, 98.5 The Sports Hub. He's young. You know, we don't expect him to come in and take the world on fire in the first, you know, couple of months, summer league, first year. He has a special ability um, laterally and with his wingspan to, like, swallow people up defensively like he's he really um he really creates havoc with his arms and with his energy and with his with his ability to move his feet um he's a better shooter um and we had him in twice for workouts he's just getting better and better um and i've always thought his touch looked good but he looked hesitant at times um and so you know i think over time he'll become a a really good shooter who has the athleticism to finish and drive closeouts, but will always, you know, his he'll be ahead on the defensive end to start. Celtics head of basketball ops Brad Stevens on uh, Celtics draft pick Jordan Walsh, five-star recruit, uh, showed some promise at Arkansas. Just reading a bit about him, and obviously what Brad Stevens said about him. Slight resemblance to Jimmy Graham. Remember the uh, the old. Oh yeah, yeah, you know? Jimmy Graham. Yeah, oh great player, Jimmy Graham. Seven foot three out. wingspan, six foot seven frame. Uh, they say he's a versatile defender. Flies all over the court. Chris, will we ever see him though, or is this going to be like another pipe dream type thing with me and Yambag Madar? Uh, and that you'll never even see this oh, guy. Oh, man, you'll see him the all the time. You know, NBC Sports Boston, our friend uh, Brendan Glasheen does those main Celtics games. You'll catch him all the time down there. I thought he was going to be playing in Europe. Like, that's it until further notice. Jordan Walsh? No, the Yambag. Oh, the Yambag. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about Walsh. I'm, oh, Walsh. I yeah, thought yeah, you were know. saying, will you see Walsh? I'm like, yeah, you'll see him on the main Celtics. Oh, oh okay. Well, all right. Oh, we yeah. can do that. Yeah. But you didn't, love, you didn't love their draft approach overall. I'm, I'm, no, and, and I hit on it. In the last segment, I, I think they were going to take a different approach. I think, again, if Olivier Maxence Prosper had been there, I think they would have gone with that guy and stayed at 25. But there were some guys that went after that that I thought could have helped them. When you look at where they're at, they're sort of in win-now mode, and they need young, cheap talent. I, I, I think they needed to lean more towards, and obviously everybody's saying this now because it worked for Denver and he played so well in the finals, but Christian Brown, who played well for Denver in the finals, I think they needed to lean more towards a rotation-ready piece, which I don't consider Walsh. And there were guys that went after him. Number 26, uh, the Pacers took Ben Shepard. That's a guy I like. He can give you some shooting. Played really well at Belmont. Um, he is a guy that I think six six can be better defensively than maybe people give him credit for. Julian Strother, who played at Gonzaga, another guy who can really shoot. So at least, you know, again, if you have Sam Hauser on your roster, 
and that that's Hauser's skill, and he played better defensively than we thought. But is there a way to upgrade that or supplement that? I think those are two guys that could have potentially done that. Then I was actually thrilled at 34. I'm like, great, they did it. They drafted Colby Jones. That's one of my guys. Guy from Xavier shot 38% from three, 6'5". He's a, a you know big guard, um, little wing type guy. Has some toughness, some experience. I'm like, great. That's a guy that they can plug into the rotation right away. Then all of a sudden it's like, wait, what? Traded to the Kings, they're trading down again. They're doing what? I was like, uh, and that, at that point, I'll be honest, I shut off the yeah, draft. Yeah, I just said the hell with it. Yeah, he- I shut up. I was like, forget this. I don't care. So I think that there were at least three players that went after their original pick at 25 that I would have preferred to Walsh just because I think they could help you more now. And I don't know what Walsh's ultimate upside is. Again, we heard Brad talk about the defensive end of it. I think offensively, he's very, very raw and far, far, far from a finished product. And I, I don't know if he'll ever be part of a rotation in the NBA. He might. But these other guys, I think, they're, these other guys, none of them are going to be stars. But I think that they will at least find a place in the league as rotation pieces. And given where you're at with the new CBA and what's going on here, I think you needed guys that could be ready sooner rather than later. B-Rub, what did you make of the approach? It's Reese talking to Cupboard. I, I don't like the approach unless they put it to work now. It's like you're, you're stockpiling picks. I would have preferred, like Chris said, to get a guy in that first round that could help right away and then can, you can kind of stand up. You're running out of those guys right now. You look at your your depth in terms of younger guys, and it's the, the cupboard's pretty bare. Like Peyton Pritchard is almost the only one left outside of J.D. Davidson, assuming you move on from Grant Williams here. So those cheap guys are going to matter to sustain this long term. But if you're going to stockpile picks now, second-round picks, extra first-round picks are smart, use it now maximize your window in these next couple of years before it gets really tough to build a roster and kind of push your chips towards the middle while you have a chance here. EJ in New Hampshire and the Marcus Smart trade. Hey, Wait a bit. Appreciate that. Go ahead, EJ. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. What's Good. up? All right. Um, I just want, I want to be one of those guys that's going to defend Marcus. Good. Okay. Just lower your radio though, please. Yes, I did. I did. Thank oh, you, bro. Um, I just want to say this about Marcus Smart. I know he's not. He t- takes these crazy shots. He does all that. But if the two Jays would have played the way they're supposed to, there wouldn't be a problem. If I see Brown going up the court one on four and one on five and taking another shot, I'm going to throw up. Brown never creates anything. And I'm just telling you what I think, what I see on the TV, and I've gone to the games. Brown is hard to watch that guy play. Eight turnovers in the last game against Miami. His career free throw is 70%, and his free, his free throw is 50% career. In the playoffs, Brown free throws is 44%. I mean, if Brown, if Marcus Smart would have played like Brown did against Miami, people have been killing him. I'm not telling you that Marcus – I know Marcus Smart how to go. And then I'm telling you Tatum is soft. Tatum and Brown are soft. And until they change the way they play, the Celtics are not going to go anywhere. I don't care who they get, Porzingis or whatever. The Jays do not perform the way they're supposed to. They're soft and they don't got nothing between the ears. They, they shy away from, from contact. Well, EJ, look, I got some – I got some concerns about like that heart intangible thing, the it stuff, with, especially with Tatum. You know, um, so now they got nowhere to hide. So that part with Marcus Smart being out of the equation, you know, now it truly is. If they felt like it wasn't, you know, their team, you know, using using air quotes around that, like with Marcus Smart gone, now it really is. You know, like yeah, and, and he raises some good points. I mean, I, I think certainly if 
Tatum and Brown do play the the way they're supposed to play, they're in the NBA Finals. I, I don't blame Marcus Smart for what happened with the Celtics this year. I think he gets some blame for what happened last year in the finals, but Tatum gets way more because Marcus wasn't good in the finals last year and he kind of came mentally unglued. That That's the thing the smart people don't talk about. As great as he is as a leader, how many times in series or in games would he become mentally like unglued and start picking up texts or arguing with officials? Or th- This is a team, like when people say, oh, he's the heart and soul of the team, is it a good thing if you're the heart and soul of a team that constantly bickers with officials, uh, has a false achievement culture, gets complacent and doesn't finish off opponents when they should? Is that a good thing? No. Doesn't that reflect a little bit back on the leadership? Of course. But I will say, just to correct some of his numbers there, and he's dead on about Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown was terrible in that series, and he's right. He has to be better. But I think he said like 40-something percent free throw shooter in the postseason. This year, he was really bad shooting free throws in the postseason. He shot 68.9%. For his career in the playoffs, he's a 74% free throw shooter, and he's a 48% shooter from the field. The difference between Brown and Tatum and Smart is this. And again, what EJ said was, I think, accurate in terms of the criticism. It's that those guys, I think, still have room to improve. They're still ascending players. At this point, nine years in and about to turn 30 years old, Smart is what he is, and he's not going to get any better. These two guys should, should, they might not, but they should get better. And I think that's where maybe they get a little more leeway than Smart. You know, that and the fact they're all NBA talent. Pat Nashua and Marcus Smart being traded away. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, Nashville, but you got a good show, guys. I just wanted to say that all real Celtics fans, not smart fans, all real Celtics fans should be rejoicing and thanking John Moran for what he did with those guns because Memphis decided that they needed to pull the trigger on getting him, and you make your team that much better in Boston, maybe in Memphis, but who cares, in Boston and with the Celtics. And I think what is being overlooked is all this sort of spiritual leader, heart and soul of the team sort of nonsense. Like, you brought in a bunch of new coaching staff that might be able to do that for you. KG effectively called San Cassell, double S, double L. That guy will come in here and help you steal the ship. If Jason Tatum can't take that low because it's not his personality type, leave it to some of these coaches that they brought in who are underrated, amazing hires, and I feel very good about the team. I like Marcus. He's a beloved role player. But let's not get silly over what he is. I'm pretty tired of the narrative. It's not from you guys. You guys have your heads on straight. But – Invest all this energy to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Those are your people. Those are going to take you to the chip. And this is a lot, a lot about nothing. Yeah, Pat, I'm yeah. with you. That was a good call. Yeah, you know, here, here. But uh, what he was mentioning about, you know, every time you look up, it's a new assistant coach. <laughs> How much of a fact do you think that will be in terms of, I don't know, different voices being more, you yeah. know, bringing in that motivational factor? I mean, factor I think it makes a difference. Product. I think definitely Cassell. Uh, because he's played at a high level, won three championships as a player, including one here towards the end of his career. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been to where these guys want to go, and he's been a good player on a championship team. So I think that that will help. Charles Lee, I know, is a really respected assistant uh, in the league. You know, Emil Jefferson, I think, I don't know much about him as a coach, but I know he's close with Tatum, so that's good. You know, somebody who's close to Tatum and that maybe Tatum can confide in, that's a, that's a good thing for the Celtics. So I, I like the staff overhaul overall. I still, in an ideal world, I still would have liked to have seen them bring in somebody who's been an NBA head coach before to maybe help Missoula a little bit with game flow strategy. I think Cassell and Lee can do that. Those guys are really, really close to NBA head coaches. They've been in the running for a lot of jobs, but they still haven't done it yet. So I would have liked if they could have gotten that veteran guy that's been a coach before to sort of sit on Missoula's shoulder. 
Where are we at with the DeAndre Hopkins watch? Is Dalvin Cook now looking like he could be a New England Patriot? An update on uh, that situation and uh, some other NFL stuff we'll touch on. We'll continue to mix in your Marcus Mark calls as well at 617-779-0985 here on Casper and Murray. You're listening to Gasper and Murray on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Chris Casper. Big Jim Murray. Give me that which I desire. It's Casper and Murray on Boston's Health for Sports. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Yeah, his sales job continues, right? Trying to get more teams interested in him, in him at this point. Because right now, we know there's only two teams that have had DeAndre Hopkins come to their facility, of course, that being the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots. And I was told by sources close to the situation that Hopkins is going over some of those offers from both those teams, the Titans and the Patriots. He's mulling over and trying to come up with a, with a decision with what he wants to do. And I was told... To be very patient here, this isn't something that's going to go down in the next 24, 48 hours. That is going to take some time for DeAndre Hopkins to come up with his final decision on where he wants to play. ESPN's Diana Rossini on the latest on DeAndre Hopkins. Still out in the wind, hasn't signed with anybody. Still traveling around after the two-day visit in Foxborough. He was next in Los Angeles. Then he was in New York. Is he meeting with other teams? Who's to say? It's Gasper Murray here on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Patriots not out of it yet. Uh, Mike Giardi, uh, he uh, tweeted, NFL reporter Mike Giardi tweeted on the 19th, so just a handful of days ago, circled back on the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes? Question mark. Source with knowledge of the situation, hammered home, there is no rush to make a decision that there could be more out there in the coming weeks slash start of training camp, citing possibly a team unhappy with their wide receiver room or an injury. Source added that Hopkins liked his meeting with the Patriots, but also had similar feelings about his trip to Nashville to sit with Mike Rabel and the Titans. They each offer something unique to Hopkins. Both teams told Hopkins he still has elite capabilities. Now, if I'm him... And as frustrating as this would be for Patriots fans, like, I kind of don't blame him. Like, it's, especially if he does care about the winning aspect of it. I think he cares more about the money than the winning, uh, especially. And I base that on the fact that he's saying he's looking for Odell Beckham Jr. money, right? But if you care about winning, well, isn't that the play? Like, see if T. Higgins goes down for Cincinnati. Now the Bengals need you. Or Sky Moore for Kansas City. Whatever. Like, one of these real contending teams, someone goes down. Apparently part of the, the, the reason Stefan Diggs, there's a myriad reasons he's been upset in Buffalo, but one of the things you read about that Stefan Diggs has been pissed about with the Bills is that the Bills weren't strong on DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe they oh. changed their mind on that. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm him and I care about winning, yeah, I wait for a contender. Like, you'd be crazy not to. I, I totally agree. And also you might get more money at that team at that point if a team If they're has, desperate. So if they're desperate and also some deals could get redone by – there's talk in Kansas City that there are deals that could get extensions, deals that could get renegotiated – so maybe there's more cap space. You look at it a variety of ways. I look at this from the Patriots standpoint, Jim, and I sort of feel like this is like, you know, in your days when you were a single man and you're a single DJ 
living it up, and everybody wanted to be with that guy who was the DJ in the DJ booth, and you had an opportunity to close the deal, and you let it slip away. That's this with the Patriots. They had DeAndre Hopkins. They had a chance to take him home to close the deal, <laughs> and they let it slip away. And now They the should more, have never let him out of the The building. more he's thinking about it, he's like, ah, I don't know if they're on my level. kind of feels like settling. Uh, it's kind of like a Boston Six thing going on with <laughs> Belichick and Mac. I don't, I don't know if I'm... I don't feel like I'm that desperate yet. Celibacy sounds pretty good, you know? Yeah, no, I think that there is something to that, and that's why I said at the time, if they get him in the building, you can't let him out without a deal. You'd be crazy to, even if that means an overpay. And I just think so much of that, too, especially if I'm ownership, like, you know, it feels like there's more invested emotionally on behalf of Robert Kraft than there is Bill Belichick when it comes to Mac Jones. I think that's fair to say at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you want to get an assessment on the kid, like, don't you need to get him more talent? Like, that's why I would say, like, okay, we are going to overpay here. We need help on this offense. I brought Bill O'Brien back. I need to know what I have with this kid. Sure, let's sign DeAndre Hopkins. But that didn't happen. And yeah. that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I guess, obviously, Bill still has control for the most part in football operations, and they're not going to disturb that. And if Bill says, hey, uh, he's not worth X, uh, and the, the practice thing, I think, is a factor. I know the reports are that they've worked that out. But I think it's a factor. I, I think Bill would give more money to Hopkins if he thought he was going to practice every day. Yeah. You know? And, and it, the well, fact uh, that he knows that he's not, I just think even if it's subconsciously in Bill's mind, that makes the player worth less money. Well, and on that, how much of this isn't he's maybe waiting to go to Kansas City or Cincinnati, a contender, <laughs> and it's just, I don't want to do training camp. I think that could be a factor. Also, I mean, if you're really looking at it from Hopkins' standpoint and you've played as well as he has over the years, but you're – aging receiver these two options are not necessarily the greatest if you're going to sign a one-year deal try and reestablish your value and get paid again your choices are go to tennessee and play with ryan Tannehill, or maybe will levis and I, they still have malik willis mm -hmm. so that's one choice for you all right choice number two is go to new england and you're going to play with mac jones and you're like, well, the coach and the quarterback are kind of feuding here. So maybe I'm not playing with Mac Jones. Maybe I'm playing with Bailey Zappi. Is he going to be able to get me the ball? And oh, by the way, is this guy going to be like on my derriere about practicing like all the time? Because that's like annoying. Yeah. And like, wait, <laughs> where am I, I going to be living? What? Oh, oh, the players don't live in Boston? What? Huh? Rent them? What? You know, so there's like factors there, I think, if you're, if you're DeAndre Hopkins. Frankly, both of these teams need DeAndre Hopkins more than he needs them. And if I'm Hopkins and these are my two options, again, I probably would look at it and say, if they're not going to put it over the top with the money I want, I'll wait and see if a better option emerges. All right. So there's the DeAndre Hopkins situation, which is still kind of just a lot of nothing. Uh, but, you know, many Patriots fans crossing fingers, uh, praying to the football yeah. gods, hoping that it happens. What about Dalvin Cook? So uh, something popped up on social media today that's, you know, you always got to read into the social media stuff when it comes to pro athletes nowadays. Uh, did you know, Chris, that Dalvin Cook, former Minnesota Vikings running back, who I still think has a yes. fair amount left in and the former tank. former Florida State great, except for the time he fumbled four times in the inaugural college football playoff <laughs> against Oregon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, yeah. The he, day after my wedding. He retweeted the Pat McAfee show. Uh, with Mike Lombardi on the other day saying, I believe that Dalvin Cook would be a good fit for the Patriots and they need another back. What do you I think he's just that? trying to drum up a market. Yeah. It's hard. Did you hear what Melvin Gordon said the other day about running backs? No, no. What was he that? was basically, he said, we're become the least valuable players. It's like a terrible position to play. No one respects us. Like, I think it's that. Oh, it's totally changed it's, the it's, league now. It's, it's pretty bad. And so I think Dalvin Cook 
who's a good player, productive player. He's had some injury issues that those even date back to Florida State with his shoulder. But I think a lot of these guys get out there, Jim, and they find that even as an accomplished running back, there's no market for them. They expected more of a market. So now if there's any team interested, he's just trying to drum up a market at this point. I would take him if I were the Patriots. I'd love to see Dalvin Cook here. That would be a cool Good pass catcher out of the backfield. He is. That would be a cool one-two punch. And I know the Patriots like an undervalued asset. And I would say at this point, Dalvin Cook has become an undervalued asset. All right, so there's that. Maybe that's just him trying to drum up interest because you are right. Like running backs, even I've changed on this. You know, I used to be a backist uh, and, and argue with Felger on this, but it really has changed. He uses the term what they're like uh, disposable razors. They really yeah. have become like you can find a guy now in the fourth or fifth round that could be a good back for you. Like they just they just use him and abuse him. It's I mean look look what's going on with Saquon Barkley and the franchise tag with the Giants. I mean he's so irked by that and that entire you know, situation. It's just, it's just really challenging. I think for a lot of these backs, here's the quote from Gordon. This was, this was a, uh, he spoke to Jim Rome. Oh yeah. What do you got to say? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so tough for running backs right now, man. You have a lot of running backs out there and we just don't get no love. It's literally the worst position to play in the NFL right now. It literally sucks. That's what he told. Yeah. Uh, Jim Rome. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. Back, back lives no longer matter in the NFL. <laughs> And so, but don't look. So, I mean, look, you got to get this money, but in a lot of ways, you know, some of some of the some of his own brethren are responsible for this. <laughs> the the contracts given to I love Eze- the gym, Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley, like that kind of broke that position for those guys. Oh, that's such a great point. You're absolutely, you know, you're so right. And it's crazy that those teams gave those guys that kind of money at the time. I'm not going to blame the player. Get it? But like, what about the McCaffrey deal too? I mean, he's still yeah, playing, right. but, but he's an injury liability. That's insane. That but Carolina felt like they had to get out of that deal. Right, right. Yeah, no, the Todd Gurley one, too. God. Do people even remember him now? Like, he was such an integral part of that Rams offense. It's why they went to that Super I Bowl. I couldn't believe in that Super Bowl how broken down and done he was against the Done, Patriots. dude. Done. He was just cash. Yeah. Like, and that totally was totally cash. And that was it. So, uh, yeah, no, it's in a lot of ways, they uh, to quote Radiohead, they did it to themselves, and that's what really hurts. You, just a quick aside on Jim Rome. You want to talk about guys. We were talking off the air about a certain person who has a grift going. You want to talk about a grift? Jim Rome just does long pregnant pauses to fill airtime. It's one of the great grifts in the history of race. He's on by himself, so he just is like, you know, just be like, hey, here's the thing about Trey Lance. (laughs) He just does that all the time to fill airtime. I got a a four-hour show. 15-minute segment that I need to fill (laughs) all by myself. No, wait, damn, I wish I thought about that when I was doing, uh, you know, that hell shift from, what was it, midnight, <laughs> midnight to two, whenever the hell I was That's on That's what you should have done. No, I really should have. You should have been like, hey, I'm here to talk about our Hawks. <laughs> yeah, our Atlanta Hawks up the street at then <laughs> Phillips Arena. Instead, I was just a frantic idiot trying to fill every second terrified of dead air and then coming home each night feeling like I ran an effing marathon. Oh, my God. But it made me better. You know what you should have done? You should have done what you did with the DJ thing. You should have just made Oh, just like, like pre-taped yeah, it? Pre-tape, yeah, pre-tape the a buttons. couple of segments. <laughs> oh, no, I did those, <laughs> actually. No, we would uh, – actually, I would sometimes – this is so – This was, you want to hear cheesy. You want to talk about a grift. I would rerun – 
<laughs> rerun interviews from other shows earlier in the day. Sometimes I was so wiped out, dude. It'd be like one fifteen in the morning on a Wednesday. I'm like, I got nothing else to talk about these suck teams in this hell city that no <laughs> one cares about. Let's re-rack an interview from the afternoon show earlier today. And I'd go take a dump. <laughs> what was call volume like for that you? That amazing. Oh, B-Rub, nothing. Was it like nothing? Like, like was, you, any, after a big game at like night, would it still be anything or still Big nothing? game? <laughs> I don't know. The Hawks in the first round? I don't no. know if it was a big game. Tumbleweeds. There. Tumbleweeds would come by. The only night that the nights that there were calls were Thursdays and Fridays because those were the drinking nights. And I would just, nah. and then eventually I would just talk about whatever. And that's when I, you know, right. that's. You must have gotten a lot of college. Calls. You said you got a lot of college football stuff, though. Yeah. Oh, that was easy to incite those rubes. Just like talk <laughs> crap about UGA. How dare you talk bad about the dogs? You're never going to win a national championship. Now that unfortunately has since changed. But at that time, how, your last name's Murray. How are you going to talk about Aaron Murray that way? He's a stiff. They're not going to win dick. They stink. This place blows. <laughs> How dare you talk about the dogs? You ain't a good dog. You talk about Brown. <laughs> Man, what a time. Well, uh, there are a couple other NFL things I wanted to touch on uh, coming up uh, that, uh, well, that I feel strongly about. It has to do with Carson Wentz. And that I had no idea we'd be talking about on the show, per usual. Yeah, well, Carson Wentz, uh, who's uh, blowing up social media for all the wrong reasons. And uh, Devontae Adams, who got out of some trouble out in Las Vegas. So uh, we'll touch on those two things next here on 985 Sports Hub. You need to talk about the dogs on the Sports Hub. Chris Gasper, Big Jim Murray. That's an aberration, which I freely admit. Gasper and Murray. I'm drunk, you're gross, let's go. Returns in a moment on the Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. This is 98.5 The Sports Hub. Sounds like fact, not opinion to me. And this uh, uh, uh. is Gasper and Murray. All right, long commercial free segment here. Gasper Murray, 98.5 The Sports Hub. I mentioned there was a couple of NFL-related items I wanted to touch on, selfishly. Real quick. Uh, first, uh, this news this morning that the assault charge against Raiders wide receiver Deont- or, uh, De- Devontae Adams has been dropped. Uh, this stems from uh, when a uh, credentialed media worker in Kansas City at a game in October uh, in Vegas, uh, he, he was going after Adams. He was a cameraman. Uh, he, Adams shoved the man who was identified by police as Ryan Zebley. He's working ESPN's Monday Night Football, freelance photographer. The incident occurred after the Raiders lost to the Chiefs October 10th. And there's video of this. I'm sure you've seen it. You know, he's they lose the game. Adams is trying to get back into the tunnel to go to the locker room. He does shove the dude. Adams apologized after the game, saying the shove was just frustration mixed with the cameraman literally running just in front of me. And this got dropped because this guy was, this is where, you know, you can sniff out a fake case in two seconds, I feel like, as long as you're, you know, applying common sense. He's like, oh, I had whiplash. And I was traumatized from this. No, <laughs> it was a cash grab, you prick. And it's it's things like this. Very rarely do I want to be called on a jury, but if this though this was a jury yeah. trial, get me on that jury because even it's got at the very least going to end up hung because I will side with 
I'm not I'm not siding with the a hole who's out for the money grab ever 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 ever. So I'm glad that that got dropped. That was good to see this morning. And then I don't know if you saw this over the last 24 hours or so. Carson Wentz has been trending, even though he hasn't been he hasn't been signed by a team. No, I was going to say he's still a free agent, right? He is. No one wants him on their team actually. Uh, but a lot of backlash. He posed next to a big dead black bear. Uh, during a hunting trip in Alaska, seeing as uh, he's you know, got a lot of time in his hands, no team wants him. Uh, he says that uh, he completed a bucket list item when he hunted a black bear with a bow and arrow. Um, this is one of these type of things I've said before. I prefer animals to people. When I see uh, this kind of thing, it makes gets my back up. Any kind of animal, uh, you know, anti, you're hurting, hurting animals anyway. Like uh, it makes me crazy. So uh, I, I will. Uh, I won't go off about the hunting thing. There's some people that do it. He did it with a bow and arrow. I know that a lot of the hunter people will always argue like, well, it's for the animal population control, blah, blah, blah. I'm against it. You're for it, blah, blah, blah. I will say this about Carson Wentz, though. The next time he goes hunting a bear and say his bow and arrow doesn't work and say the bear gets him and tears him apart, <laughs> limb, to, limb from limb, and then his family posts about it, when someone like me laughs, you can't be mad. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's the deal. Okay? So, like, I won't go off about hunting. And if he's going to post a beautiful animal being killed by the bow and arrow because I had to hunt it, I'm a dry to, this bucket list for me, you do that and you post, okay, expect some backlash. I won't do it. But if something happens to you and the animal tears you apart and eats you like dinner and brings your limbs back to its young cubs <laughs> and your family posts like, Carson was mauled by a bear. He tried to kill... When I repost that with laughing emojis, you can't be mad. Deal? Okay, we got a deal. All right. So I, I'm just going to say I'm surprised that he was accurate enough to hit the bear. <laughs> right. Based yeah, on what I've there seen, is, there that's is some, impressive. There is skill with a bow and arrow, right? Yeah. I, no. I, I never would have guessed that anything coming from the arms of Carson Wentz would be that accurate. Is he one of the that draft class? So that's him and Mariota. And I didn't love Mariota coming out. You know, I had my Oregon quarterback bias. I've since been proven wrong. James Winston, too, in that draft class. Was that the same one? Mariota and Winston are in the same draft class if Wentz is in that draft class, if that's what you're saying. Is it? Oh, so the three of them were in that? I feel like I'm getting that a little bit. No. Wentz was with um, the stiff with the Rams, who's now not that bad with the Lions. Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Yeah, so okay. that's, that's, yes, that makes more sense. I was going to say, I didn't okay. think Wentz was with – because I always know Mariota and, and – uh, Winston are together. They went one two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But boy, like talk about bus city for the most part with those. Like now, Jared Goff has truly become like of those because I think those were the back to back years. Was that fifteen sixteen? I believe. Uh, of those four, Goff's turned out to be like okay. And I hated Goff. He's been all right with the Lions. By the way, as a quick aside, did you see those new Lions Love them. helmets? Love those are them. sweet. Uh, I hope those become the actual helmets. Those are fantastic. Those sweet baby blue colors. In uh, in a lot of people don't like the old. Um, the old lion. It looks a little too 1950s for him. Oh, I think it's great. I love that. I was like, this is great. I hope this becomes your primary helmet. And they got kind of like the Ford auto stripes in there, yes. too. Oh, yep. I loved fantastic. it. And the reveal was really cool, the way that they did it. They're kind of an up-and-coming team now, Um, you know, as long as all their receivers aren't suspended for gambling. But they're kind of an interesting team. They're going to get some love on national television and they finish strong. You know, I'm not a huge Dan Campbell guy, but I have to give credit where credit is due. He's given that team an identity, and there's actually some hope in Detroit, and they're going to get a little love on, on primetime TV, and I hope on primetime they, they wear those sweet helmets. Yeah, they um, you know they obviously kept the, the Green Bay Packers from getting into the playoffs with that uh, win in Lambeau That's at right. the end of the year. That's right. They had a great end of their season. I just And I, liked, I find them wildly entertaining, and I, that was the first um, 
the uh, first iteration of Hard Knocks that I enjoyed in some time uh, on HBO. So there's apparently I was reading too. There, there's a chance they may end up with, uh, being on there again by default because no team actually wants to do it. Uh, but either way, I now feel like they're one of those teams, though, Chris, that has a little bit too much preseason hype. Yes. Like sometimes with the team that's like, uh, you know, that team's on the up and up, that team's on the come, and sometimes they end up falling back on their face or turning into what they've always been. I'm starting to get that little bit of a feeling about that line, this, that Lions team this year. I hope that I'm wrong, again, because I found them wildly entertaining, but I don't really love their draft. They get running backs early, some of the stuff, some of the decisions they made this offseason. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that just might have been kind of a flash in the pan thing. The Lions revert to being back to the Detroit Lions next season. But I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, all right, we'll continue to mix in your Marcus Smart calls. Obviously, that's the big news over the last uh, three days or so. Marcus Smart out. Kristaps Porzingis in. Uh, we'll get to, back to that story coming up here. Uh, anything you want to join us on at 617-779-0985. It's Gaspar Murray with one hour to go here on 98.5 Sports Hub.